you can take a very passive approach to spirituality or even if it's not spirituality, even if it's just the belief that everything happens for a reason, right? Mm. And you can kind of just sit there and let every let life pass you by and let everything happen to you and assign it all meaning. Like mm. I went through a phase of that when I was working in hospitality and not really working towards like my creative goals or kind of like doing whatever I wanted to do. And I noticed it about myself and had to transcend that. And that's like a big thing I think like underlines or gives those kinds of schools of thought a bad rap is that's not what it's about because it has you discounting your own agency, mm. you know, like it doesn't give you something to move towards. If you just think everything is happening for a reason to the point of not, you know, you're not in control, yourself, guiding yourself towards anything specific. Mm. So I think it's really important to remember that. Like, and if you want to put it in the most like spiritual sense, I've framed it this way. Like, you know, it's not just about sitting there and letting events happen and assigning them all meeting. It's also about, you know, deciding what your vision is or deciding something like something you want to get better at something, some sort of bullseye or thing to work towards and actively making your way through that air quotes manifestation or whatever it is. You can't discount your own role because we're here to be humans and like, you know, like be humans on earth with each other, going through these different things. You're not just there to like sit as this like divine spirit and like defy the laws of reality, you know? So that's where it's like the diminishing return on being the woo woo spiritual type happens for me. I'm Ren McDonald and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet earth or I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin MacDonald. Thank you so much for joining me for what is episode number 78 with Trina Nguyen. Just three days before this conversation, I reached out to Trina on Twitter, where I'd followed her for, I don't know, it feels like between three to six months, but it might have been less. But she posted a video saying that she'd felt uh, the energy was changing in the world, and she's always been quite an upbeat person from what I've been able to observe on her Twitter and through her brilliant writing that she shares with the world there. But yeah, her posting that video made me reach out and invite her on as a guest and literally within 72 hours we had the conversation that you're about to hear. It uh, is a wide-ranging one. We talk about her growing up, we talk about how she got into writing and many thoughts on the world. It was, as I say, great. I could have kept on going for a couple of hours. It felt like talking to, to an old friend. So I'll let you crack into it and without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Trina Nguyen. Cheers. Trina Nguyen, welcome to the Hope Initiative. (laughs) Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We are having this conversation today via Zoom. It is 5.40 in the morning for me. Could you share with people what time it is for you and whereabouts in the world you're, you're chatting to me from? Yeah, it's 3.41 p.m. here in Tampa, Florida, where I was born and raised. (laughs) Amazing. So we, or I came across you, I should say, via Twitter, where I've met some very interesting people and had some great conversations in the last few months. And you're someone that stood out to me through a lot of the writing that you do. Uh, I'm sure probably most people know and listening to this would know what Twitter is. It's predominantly text-based platform. 
albeit you know you post videos photos all of that sort of sort of stuff but a lot of your writing yeah it just sort of triggered uh, an interest in me to want to have this conversation today so I'm really glad that I think I sent the video a video sort of message an invite to you maybe three days ago and here we are having this conversation we were just talking <laughs> before we started how like I guess I just and I'm, I'm able to invite people or invite myself rather into people's lives to have these conversations so it's the beauty the beauty of podcasting so I definitely recommend it. I, I sort of say podcasting is networking on steroids. Not that it was sort of the reason why I started. It was just to have cool conversations with, with cool people. So, yeah, here we are. Yeah, but it's a beautiful byproduct of it. Yeah, it really is. So there's, there's a lot I want to talk about today. Writing is definitely one of them. But before we get into that, I typically like to kick these conversations off because you are a stranger to me and certainly to most of the people listening, I'm sure. If you could start with your first memory from when you were a child and bring us forward to present day, 24th of May, 2022, uh, but in, I like, I like to challenge the guests to do it in say three minutes or less. So pick out the important things to you and yeah. Yeah. My earliest childhood memories, um, bopping around my mom's site, uh, restaurant. I, I grew up in the restaurant business, my mom's restaurant business. And uh, my first couple of my first primordial influences were, I don't know if you're familiar, but the two movies, Matilda for one, and the other one is Harriet the Spy. Matilda is about this like little bright girl and she kind of has like a chaotic home life and she just like gets obsessed with reading. It's kind of like, and it's so cute and she's just so curious and she has this great relationship with her teacher and she's very exploratory. And the other one is Harriet the Spy, which is just like another like young, and she was, Matilda's like super dainty, like feminine sweet. And then Harriet the Spy is like, is like spunky little rebellious, like tomboyish um, girl who like starts her school newspaper and she like carries around a composition book and she like spies on people and she goes places she's not supposed to be. And she just like writes her observations. Mm. And uh, those are my, those are my first two influences. I remember like being a kid and carrying my journal around my mom's restaurants and exploring and just like writing my thoughts and observations about people so that's uh obviously tells you what my first mm. <laughs> my first uh when I first fell in love with writing was and yeah. then grew up in the restaurant business um I feel like that really helped cultivate my love of just talking to people talking to you know you deal with so many different kinds of people I worked in so many different kinds of restaurants so many different cultures yeah um, yeah and then I, ha I also had some like crazy experiences when I was a kid too so like you know when you have like an outlet like that like reading and writing like it really becomes just something you're so like tunnel vision and focused on so I carried that with me growing up like started loving traveling I was always like social but I always had like the hybrid of like social butterfly and then like introverted like writing and doing my reading weird thing so yeah um, I always kind of had those two going on I feel like you usually lean towards one or the other or not usually but a lot of the time mm. and then um yeah, I explored a lot of different career paths too. And I now I've landed in, uh, I'm an inner work guide, air quotes. Mm. Um, so my natural like uh, adoration slash passion for people and like human nature and psychology that I had when I was really young, um, carried that with me throughout life in multiple different ways. And now I get to use that to help guide people. And I've always 
been a writer. So, you know, people have primarily found me through, you know, what you take so long to get like your website and your, all these things you want to do with your passion, mm. but just simply like Twitter and, and Instagram and things like that, people have connected with me through my words and, and it's kind of how it all took place. So yeah, I'm really grateful for it. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, I'm one of those cliche people that got to like live my passion out. <laughs> no, it's, it's fantastic. And I think it's something that, yeah, you, you, or at least from what I've seen and I'm sure anyone who, who follows you, yeah, you, you do live that passion. You're, I think there was, there was a video or a voice note. I think it might've been on Twitter the other day where you were sharing a story and you were just like laughing sort of as you were going through it and I could just like feel your smile I could just like see your smile when I was listening it was really nice so I'm sure people listening to this audio as well will see will will feel that I'm sure but thank you for sharing all of that I'm um, I'm intrigued to jump back into the restaurant life hospitality life could you share a little bit more about your family did you have any any siblings growing up or were you an only child working you know with your mum in the uh, in the restaurant business what was that like? Yeah, so I have one little brother, but he's seven years younger than I am. So I was only yeah. child for the first little chunk of my life. Um, went through some like crazy stuff. Like I don't have a technically like traditional family situation. Like yeah. stopped seeing my dad when I was really young. Had some funky experiences with my ex-stepdad, who was my brother's dad. Yeah. And when that happened, I had my little brother, James, who's amazing. And um yeah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy because I feel like I kind of got the best of both experiences, like, you know, and obviously like harder, not so best of, but like a lot of my childhood memories are just me as this like single child, like bopping around, exploring, whatever. Yeah. And then you start going through those, those like formative years of like middle school and high school and like I switched from elementary private school like a really 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 small private school um I don't know if you ever heard of the, have you ever heard of the Montessori method Montessori method I have I've heard of Montessori yeah a very like progressive school thing and you know our, our, I mean our, I feel like our corner of Twitter is very about like homeschool yeah homeschool supportive which I, I I'm a big fan of too but it's funny because I that's another I'm I'm it's another contrasting experience I have. I went from a really small Montessori school that is like, there's no traditional grades. You move at the pace that you learn at. Mm. Um, it's very intimate. It's very hands-on. You literally walk up to different shelves with different like areas of study. And there's like tactile ways to learn math. And like, it's very, it's kind of unconventional. And I went from that and I got tossed into like this huge public school, which is obviously a whole different animal. Yeah. And that's also, you know, going through that transition is when I had my like little brother. And so, right. Really interesting collage of experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can imagine <laughs> that um that leaving that Montessori school. What what brought that on? Was it like a like a monetary thing? Do you think, or like did you want to leave the school and go into the public system? It was a little bit of both. So uh, the 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 Montessori Children's House of Hyde Park is where I went, and they are capped off from age three to twelve. Okay. So at 11, I was actually going to leave a year early and not max out my time there and go to a private school that's local here. But then my mom went through a divorce with my brother's dad. Right. So then, you know, we have two kids and like, so it was partially monetarily driven that I ended up taking the public school route and going to a public school. Um, sure. And I wouldn't change it for the world, honestly. Like, I'm really glad that I had both of those kind of pendulum swing experiences. So I was about to go to a, a very small 
private school, obviously the next level up, but it's kind of a similar species of school. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> interestingly, sort of similar growing up, I went to a private, we call it primary school here in, in Australia. So from the ages of like, I think my mum actually, well, I'm not, I think, I know, my mum taught at the primary school when I was little. And so I started when I was three, which is obviously quite young, but I could do the alphabet yeah pretty young so I was like this you know smartish kid and so I started and I went all the way through till I was 13 which would have been probably been middle school in America but it's like year eight so like the fifth last year of your of your schooling life essentially before you'd go to college or university and then I went into what was like that public, that private school, sorry, was probably like 50 kids at its peak. And at, mm. at times it was maybe only like 30 or 40 kids. And then I went into a public high school for the last four years. And yeah, it was, it was hectic. And I'm glad, sort of like you, very glad that I had that experience. But uh, yeah. But it's crazy, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah, it's, it's the differences a, are crazy. It really shakes up your world and you're so young and it's like, whoa, like it's such a, it's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was like, I think the first year that I was in that school, in the public school, there was, we were just sitting at the back all the kids had laptops and the, this, this kid just pulls up porn on his laptop and I was, <laughs> I was 13 and he's just in class watching this like fucking porno video. And I'm like, yeah. like, I'll be honest, like I was probably interested. I, I remember being like, oh, like what's this? But yeah. like thinking back now, like it's pretty fucked up. Like uh, that's just like <laughs> accepted in, in, these, in these schools. So. No, I had similar experiences because I wasn't fully as sheltered air quotes mm. as maybe some other of my peers were at the private school just because I had like that, you know, I, I was like, I was bopping around the restaurants, like yeah. I mingled with adults, like when I was very young and stuff like that. I hung out with my mom's like staff, like they would take care of me like sometimes and they were yeah. in their 20s, you know, so I had I had a little bit more mature exposure, but still even even with that under my belt going to public school, it was still I remember such a shock to like start hearing about people like hooking up at the movie theaters and, <laughs> da, 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 and like I wasn't allowed to even wear like like nail polish and all these girls were like wearing like like push-up bras and like all this crazy like culture you get thrown into and you're just like whoa yeah I feel like that would have happened either way had we even stayed or maybe gone into a private high school like I'm sure that culture shift changes right it happens with age maturity all of that sort of stuff interesting I'd love to talk a bit about that restaurant and all the restaurants, I should say, growing up, you mentioned they're mingling with a lot of adults. What did you draw from that? And you mentioned as well, carrying around a journal and just writing your observations. I love that from a young age as well. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I can't, I always revisit that because, you know, you, like once you're in your twenties, like wondering where it all started, especially when you're super introspective like me. Yeah. And um, that's what it ties back to. Cause while I was going like these these funky transitions at home I had a childhood best friend whose mom was a therapist and um so that combined and I would like stay at their house on school nights like when things were getting crazy and like that exposure to like somebody so well-versed in psychology compared with my pre-existing like um what's the word affinity for observing humans and like expressing my thoughts like uncensored in these journals like mm. I think that's all really where you know like you've seen my twitter like I just dump out these 
like <laughs> whether it's like little stories about me or just like perspectives of all these different humans things like I think that's where it all started in that variety and like yeah. and like it just started super young right like I'm in my 20s and and I started like realizing that I could wrap my head around concepts with like about psychology and human nature um you know to a significant degree when you start like realizing what your thing is and and I was like why how did I build this so early it's actually how I um kind of decided to just go in with the inner work guide thing because I I had that early influence of the therapist thing but then you know like formal therapy kind of has can come with like the bad rap it gets like some of it's legitimate in certain cases and stuff but I also you know at the same time find a lot of use in like introspection and self-reflection and mm. knowing how the mind works and like being aware of you know yourself and your inner world and kind of your patterns and different things like that and uh um so it's kind of just like drawing on all of that and yeah and I think I think it, have you ever heard of like the 10,000 hours? Yeah. Like to mastery or whatever. That's yeah. what I kind of retroactively realized I'd put in. I'd always through everything, through my journal, through all these different com conversations I would have growing up in the restaurants to, you know, bopping around like social butterfly to all these different jobs and different social groups. Like in school, I, I was friends with like every, every group. Like I was, yeah. I've been the artsy kid. I've been <laughs> the like party kid. Like I've been every, everything. And like, it's just always been my nature. So I was like, oh, through all of these things, I've kind of put in hours and hours and hours of these conversations exploring human nature, exploring how people think and how they live and all this diversity. And I've kind of had to like change that from my, I used to be, I used to be so like all over the place and think it was a weakness, right? Like kind of mm. so gray. And, you know, you go through those years of being like indecisive and needing to strengthen yourself in those areas and being like the creative, like disorganized, can never make it on time sort of person. And going through that like journey of like strengthening all of those things kind of gives you a sense of like the whole spectrum. Um, and yeah, yeah. So now it's kind of just fully embodying that that's always kind of been my jam. But you know, it's funny because it's it's like the most obvious thing about me, but it's really hard to get to that like at the same time, it's really hard to like see that and like fully own that in yourself. You have to go through a, a whole journey too. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I love that. Do you have any, like anything that like that, that's kind of like in retrospect, it's always been like at the forefront of who you are, but you didn't really fully like get it or embrace it or something or lead with it. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Uh, I, I could share, but I sort of want to ask you more questions from that, but I appreciate, <laughs> okay. I, no, I appreciate the question back. I'll, I'll not be a shit house and I'll try to answer it. <laughs> I think, <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I feel like I've always been wanting to help certain groups that I've been involved in, whether it's, you know, my, my soccer team or work or church or whatever it might be in my life. But I've never fully like felt like I've fit in and I don't think that that feeling is unique to me. I feel like probably a lot of humans think that maybe they're not 100% meant to be where they be at certain times because I'd like to think, yeah, you will not like to think, but it's almost like you, you say or self-describe yourself as being introspective. I certainly feel like I am that as well, but wanting to know maybe how you can relate more to other people or fit in more. And I've only ever really lived in Melbourne and grown up. There was a period I lived in Sydney. I've done a little bit of travel. I've been to, to Florida, not to, you, you, you mentioned you're in Tampa. I have, I've never been there, but I was in Miami. But I've traveled a little bit around, but it's only really to like Western cultures. So I certainly feel like if I was able to expand 
a bit more and I'm, I'm 30 later this year and I've never really traveled, which sucks, but I definitely plan to, but I think, you know, getting out more and experiencing more of that, you know, observing people you mentioned as well. It's sort of like, I know that I can, can do certain things, but it's like, what's holding me back. And really it's just me. Um, I don't know if any of that necessarily relates to directly what you said, but yeah, I mean, in no, terms, it totally does. Mm. And if you didn't have that, like maybe if you didn't have that, uh, you know, big part of you that wants to explore, but hasn't geographically, maybe mm. you wouldn't have explored so much through the internet and like had all these conversations, you know, it has to go somewhere when you have that kind of drive in you. That's how I felt like at home as a kid. Like that's probably why I explored so much in my journals and my reading is because it was like this, it's this exploratory nature that's kind of sitting dormant there and you need something to do with it. So you might've not done all of this if you had gotten the opportunity to travel. It's very true. Yeah. Thank you. That's cool. <laughs> I'm excited for you though. <laughs> you know it when you do, you have to come to Florida. Yeah. Interestingly, I am planning to later this year, Texas and Florida. I, I am planning to. So um, we can oh, yeah. chat, we can chat more about that later, but um yeah, again, I would love to speak more about your your curious nature. You mentioned from a young age that movie, was it Harriet the Spy? That was like the <laughs> yeah. the cheeky, I'll have to look at this movie afterwards. But <laughs> you're gonna be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned like it being maybe one of the movies that got you into like wanting to journal or being a more observant human. Do you think that it was that or has that nature always been within you? Was it something like your mum gifted you in terms of a journal? I'd love to know where you so feel that came from. My childhood best friend's mom, the therapist, who was basically like a second mom to me. And I used to credit her for my interest in psychology because it was I was so young. Like who would, how would I know to get interested in psychology without her, right? She was a reasonable person to credit for that. But she, sure. I don't remember what her exact wording was, but she told me it's something that you're kind of already predisposed for. Like the, maybe I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that's generally, or she was talking about me specifically. I just want one of those abstract childhood memories. Yeah. So, you know, you, you go back to that memory and then you're like, all right. So I was predisposed for this like fascination with the human mind and with human nature. And then I tried to start thinking like, when did I first pick up a journal? Um, because in college, um, when I was taking like writing classes, you know, we would write about, what led us to wanting to write. And before I dug up the memories and like kind of really pinpointed Matilda and Harriet the Spy and journaling and bopping around the restaurant, um, the layer above that was when I was seven or eight years old for Christmas, I got this fat HP desktop computer for Christmas. Like I woke up one morning and it was there with a big bow and you know, it has like the big monitor and, the, and it has like the thing with the, you put this, it's like the whole building size thing next to it just to put a CD in and a floppy <laughs> disk, you know? Yeah. And I remember like getting that for Christmas and I would just spend every night, I would spend hours just dumping pages on it of like stories I was making up and poems I was making up and like exploring the internet a little bit for the first time and, um, and things like that. And so, yeah, so I guess those are just the earliest memories of being obsessed with writing that I can, I can really draw back to. And, and, and remembering like at Montessori, whenever it was time to get report cards or get feedback from teachers or whatever, like that was always what I was, I was always commended on like the creative and the writing and reading areas of things. So I've, I've, you know, that's like the first evidence of this always being a thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's very cool. So you just like dumping night after night, just, whatever whatever was popping in your head really 
Yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy. Like I think sometimes it's, it's funny because there have definitely been phases of time where like, I would just tweet off the dome, like whatever lessons are kind of coming to my head with the way my mind works with ha- what's happening in my current life. Yeah. And it's funny. Like I would counter like, and, and I've made a lot of friends on Twitter as you have. And sometimes like they would ask me about certain tweets, like knowing what's going on in my life and kind of being confused. And I, it came, it came to my awareness that like, I don't always write from that place. Right. Like I can have a conversation with somebody, like I, when I was working in restaurants, like I have a conversation with a customer or a coworker, or even like the chef in the back, or I'd see a tweet on the feed that like spoke to a life lesson that reminded me of something. And then I'd go like three thoughts away from that and land on a lesson. And it's like all these different, it's like this big web that my mind takes and I'm like how does this even like happen but it really is just the way I think and it's it's it can be sourced from so many different things and I just like it's kind of just about realizing that's just how your brain works it's weird yeah (laughs) but it's it's good to get that understanding or like I feel like part of life is trying to get an understanding of oneself and how you are best not optimized I don't like that word because I don't think like we can ever sort of reach 100% of ourselves in a weird way, even though I feel like I am in parts an optimist, parts a realist, but it's like, cool, finding out how you tick and what is going to work for you is so important. And I think writing and journaling, because it's something that I've done a lot more in the past few years and just keeping like a daily journal, reading one, uh, writing one page on my day, uh, has been really important for me. I love reading back and like just having a look at like where I was on this day a year ago or two years ago and I've always had a really good memory but I think that comes down to like almost logging those those memories in a way so for you what's your like like do you do a daily journal what's your what's your way of sort of getting those thoughts and observations onto onto paper do you have a conscious method so it's evolved and it's taken different forms and mm. it's landed and of course a kind of diverse answer I'm about to give you, but mm. I always get this question, right? Like, it's funny. I'll even have people I grew up with just seeing me like posting stories of me, like on my rooftop journaling. And I, and I, and I think the most surface level um, view of the practice of journaling is like this log of everything that's happened in your life. Right. But when I would go through and write, I'm not perfect. Like I would go through phases where I wasn't writing as much. I don't know, like whatever was happening at the time. Yeah. And to kind of break past that, I kind of had to loosen up those boundaries and just like, I would always have to go back to this, like realize it or reminder to self that it's just a space for you to kind of have a conversation with yourself or like vent whatever you're really feeling. Cause until sometimes until you have something to bounce back off of, like we were just talking it kind of parallels with a conversation or like with having your camera on and like <laughs> seeing somebody face to face, like it's the page, like until you really like put your thoughts into a tangible, ver- tangible version, I'm sorry. Yeah. You sometimes don't even really know what you, like what's sitting in there. Um, and you can really like surprise yourself, just letting yourself be in this very private air quotes room that's the page and just releasing and like letting it all letting it all hang out and like yeah um and of course like events in my life get documented there but I think it can really hold you back in a lot of ways to feel like it needs to just be a perfect log of everything that's happened in your life because then it kind of feels overwhelming sometimes like sometimes it's like yeah I definitely want to make sure I document this but sometimes it's also like oh no like now I'm behind I've skipped three days of these like things, these days have been profound to me, but I didn't write it all down. It's like, that can kind of hold you back. Unfortunately, like it would be so ideal if I'd written down every thought I've had and everything that's happened in my life, but kind of 
I don't know. You can kind of shoot yourself in the foot expecting that, yeah. that much of to be there. And I also don't only write pen to paper. I also, sure. or not, I do, sorry. I not only journal pen to paper, but I also do voice recordings and selfie videos as well. Yes. So now I kind of all house them together and uh, whatever is happening that day. Like if I'm not writing, like I'll do a little voice note and then it'll be nice. It'll be a nice way to like kind of listen to it later. And then like, if I feel like writing that down or whatever, just let it be like really fluid and multimodal. And my clients, my clients really like that like that approach too, it kind of helps me tailor it to like whatever their kind of style is. Like sometimes you can just be into like one, you only find yourself doing one of them consistently. And it's like, however you can, however you can get the, those thoughts released, like whatever works for you, it's like, find it, just do it. It's Mm. such a nice tool. Yeah. I think there can definitely be a pressure of felt. Yeah. In trying to like keep the streak alive. And if you miss a day, like going back, I remember in lockdowns back in 2020 sitting down one day, and literally like going through my phone and looking at photos or screenshots to try to jog a memory of that day. And I wrote like two weeks worth of a journal in, you know, yeah. a few hours. And yeah, that's that pressure of like, okay, if you missed a period, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe, you know, you don't always have to be actively logging. Like, yeah, it could be cool. It, w- it would be cool. But at the end of the day, like maybe there's a reason why you took those two weeks off or felt the resistance to not write and I've definitely accepted that a bit more whereas even even recently probably start of this year I was like I've got to do it every day and I and I hadn't I hadn't been amazing at it maybe more often than not I had but yeah it's it's a tool for you it's it's sort it's certainly not something that sort of needs to like hold you down or have you putting attention on it when you could be doing so much more creatively and and expanding your life and it's tricky right because this word streak is a good word that you use there yeah it's tricky because you want to it's kind of like a sweet spot you have to keep reaching with yourself where it's like you want to like stick with it enough to make sure you stick with it and you're doing it consistently but also there's kind of a diminishing return on that where you feel pressured and you're not even using it for what it's for so it's like it's kind of trying to keep that i wish the word balance didn't feel so overused but it is balanced (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're so right so good. You mentioned before having clients with uh, inner work guide. I would love to maybe talk about that now because it seems like a, a just a natural transition into it. Could you talk to me yeah, about the work that you do? Yeah. So my whole life, I've like I've said, I've been into the psychology stuff, uh, introspection stuff. I've gone through all these different experiences in terms of like figuring myself out personal lessons, work, like growing through different roles and different jobs, navigating different friend groups and just kind of always having that like kind of like misfit thing. And I, and it's been so great because every single of those has kind of given me a little piece of experience or human nature or all of the above to kind of move through and use that, use that for. And so I landed in this place where I realized that I don't know, like I could, I was very, my strengths lied in like just talking to people no matter where they, there was no common denominator really. Like I, it's very hard, like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with like having a certain style or like having a certain kind of conversation or certain personality or whatever. But when I was trying to identify what my thing was, like a really profound thing of that was realizing that there was no common denominator of types of people that I could get into a conversation with and, Mm. you know, see where they were coming from. Um, 
and kind of bring a perspective that validated them feeling understood no matter what it was kind of. So then mm. also just like loving, um, loving the words and like being able to put things a certain way that resonates for people um, or that, you know, I feel like words can really like deliver a shift in con- consciousness. Like they're, they're very time sensitive too. Like when something finds you, like like on Twitter, right? We pass like millions of and brilliant lessons and important paths, success and all these things every day, but it really has to find you at the right time or it really has to like resonate with you specifically in a certain way to actually like have something click or something or just like feels good. It was like, that's like, that's like, that's exactly how I felt, but I didn't put it that way. And because it was put this way, like I almost feel like, oh, like a breath of fresh air, like mm-hmm. whatever. And I just realized like, I love delivering that to people. And it's kind of something I always like do naturally. Right. And when I, after going through so many different jobs and kind of being like, you know, I loved all of them, but it wasn't really doing like what I wanted it to do and kind of deciding that I wanted to be that person that like merged my, cause at one point I thought I was going to do like a job and then my passion alongside it as like the non-lucrative thing way. And like, that's what my online thing, like me just tweeting and posting these things I do on Instagram and whatever. That's what that was. That was just supposed to be my self-expression, like free spirited passion project. And then I tried all these different jobs. Like I worked behind the scenes of people on Twitter and stuff like that. And I would always like, I, I never really expected them to merge until right. I identified that strength. And I just tested the offer. You know, you, you, you just get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm just going to go for it. And like, I don't know if I'm, I can do this. Yeah. And you like experience that imposter syndrome. Maybe like your first podcast was like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I don't know. Like first, first, first 20, attempted. first 20 or 30 try. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Honestly, sometimes I still like experience it. Like, well, I'll have a moment and I'm talking to one of my clients and like, I just help them through, you know, I, 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 I've posted this, but I, I, I like to frame it as guide. So there's so many amazing coaches. Like I don't have a negative connotation of the word coach, but for some reason, mm-hmm. God, it doesn't resonate with me personally and what, what these conversations with these people feel like. Um, like, I feel like it's very important that people learn their lessons on their own and, and, as useful as it is to have somebody there with you, kind of like putting things a certain way and like helping you feel seen and sharing like parallel, because all of these things that they're working through are things that I have worked through mm-hmm. on some level or like a different version of it. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to help them, right? Like everybody kind of has their own little niche. So even yeah. though mine sounds very broad, like the people I actually work with, I have to have those parallels with you or I can't I can't really help you through it effectively it's, and it wouldn't be fair. It's also very important. It's like, it's like, you can't really, what's that phrase? Like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink sort of thing. Like Mm. I've, I've also experienced really ineffective guidance and, um, or just guidance that didn't fit with me or whatever it was. Um, so it brought me back to the whole, like, it really has to be an individualistic thing and you kind of have to be your own, like, navigator through it and I'm just there guiding you like I'm guiding you into like the map of you like your home frequency my like spiritual interests come out or your 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 inner compass and like fine-tuning what that really means to you because it's not going to be the same as mine mm-hmm. um like like I think we can we can I mean I think that's part of the process too like when you're you know when you're maturing and figuring out what you want to do whether it's personal development or work or whatever um, or figuring out what kind of person you want to be with, what kind of work you want to do, what kind of person you want to be. You kind of go through these these phases. Everybody has their own version of going through this phase of like trying on these like methods or or identities that don't fit. And mm. then you kind of just like have to go back to yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm very big on that. Like I'm very big on it being about this person and it's almost catches them off guard because it's counterintuitive. They very much show up like, all right, so what should I do now? And it's like, let's talk about you first, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. That's oh, cool. You mentioned timing before. I, th- I think that timing is such an interesting thing in terms of trying to learn lessons because yeah, you need to live and have experiences and then certain a certain phrase or whatever it might be even if it's a book or a podcast or some learning will have a different meaning than what it might have before that lived experience i i feel like there's so many times in my life where i've known about a certain piece of information or whether it was a book or even someone recommending a book to me at a certain time and then reading it five years later and going wow this means so much to me now and I just picked it up or like have just started reading it. Whereas if I had have picked it up five years ago, it, it wouldn't have and I might have never picked it up again. And I find right. that that's really interesting. Like I'm a big like book buyer, but I rarely read all of the books that I even buy. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird <laughs> I phenomenon. I more books than I can even get through. Yeah, it's cool. Like my, my shelf stacked to them, but I don't have a problem with that because – for that example that I just mentioned, it's like, okay, what's what's pulling me towards picking this book up? And even though I'm very much a believer in trying to get through a book when you start it, I don't have the, the, the nagging feeling now that I have to. But it's just that point that you mentioned in terms of, yeah, the timing and, and how you sort of pick up those lessons along the way. So I wanted to, I wanted to mention that. Yeah, no, I think I even have like a tweet scheduled for tomorrow about t- the timeliness. It's just, it's just a thing I noticed like a pattern, right? Because, and that's, I think time, like in thinking so about how trippy that is to me, the concept of time and, you know, all the layers to that. Like, I think that's part of what led me towards spirituality. Cause mm. you know, it's always, I've always like looked at life, like a story, like probably has a lot to do with me writing about my life and journals and stuff like that. But also spirituality is big on the idea of like, you know, and you know and in the most cliche version of it, it's like everything happens a reason everything happens when it's meant to yeah. and I just went through so many things in life where I was like whoa if that had happened if this experience had found me in that version of me then like this wouldn't have went down like this or whoa this just happened at the perfect time or this just is like the most like when it rains it pours it's all happening at once like if you're going through a hard time and it's just like it, it I don't know it validated it to me it validated like time always seems to be doing this thing with us or for us um and it's like that it's like that it transcends like emotion logic planning sort of thing and it's kind of like that extra indefinable something it's 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 cool it's very much just like an energetic thing to me so yeah love it no it's cool (laughs) you mentioned as well that timing and everything happening for a reason do you do you think that is the case that everything happens for a reason I do, but I think that that phrase comes with a connotation that's misleading. How so? Um, So like you can take a very passive approach to spirituality or even if it's not spirituality, even if it's just the belief that everything happens for a reason, right? Mm. And you can kind of just sit there and let let life pass you by and let everything happen to you and assign it all meaning. Like Mm. I went through a phase of that when I was working in hospitality and not really working towards like my creative goals or kind of like doing whatever I wanted to do. And I noticed it about myself and had to transcend that. And that's like a big thing, I think, like underlines or gives those kinds of schools of thought a bad rap is that's not what it's about because it has you discounting your own agency, Mm. you know, like it doesn't give you something to move towards if you just 
think everything is happening for a reason to the point of not, you know, you're not in control, guiding yourself towards anything specific. Mm. So I think it's really important to remember that. Like, and if you want to put it in the most like spiritual sense, I've framed it this way. Like, you know, it's not just about sitting there and letting events happen and assigning them all meeting. It's also about, you know, deciding what your vision is or deciding something like something you want to get better at something, some sort of bullseye or thing to work towards and actively making your way through that air quotes manifestation or whatever it is. You can't discount your own role because we're here to be humans and like, you know, like be humans on earth with each other, going through these different things. You're not just there to like sit as this like divine spirit and like defy the laws of reality, you know? So that's where it's like the diminishing return on being the woo woo spiritual type happens for me. I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, there's just so much I wanted to say, keep talking about that, that topic, but we maybe press on, but I would like to talk a little bit more specifically about inner work guide and what you do. Say I was coming to you lost or didn't know what I wanted to do in my life, passion wise or whatever it might be. What exactly do you do with a person in, in that case? Is it, yeah, over to you. So it's very different with each person, right? Mm. But it always kind of starts with exploring. Um, I don't just show up and like ask what you're like and what you're dealing with. Like, I don't, I, I think that can be effective, but I, I, it's just not my style, I guess. I think I've realized that I very much like to go back to like the earliest roots, like I've done with myself. I kind of use my own journey as like a template for how I approach it. And so we usually start off with a phase of just, you know, learning your background, what culture you grew up in, what that was like, what your relationship with your mom was like, what your relationship with your dad was like, whether you had siblings, what you were like as a child, how you've approached like relationships, whether that's work relationships, friend relationships, romantic relationships, and kind of how you've navigated the world. And from that, like so much, you know, can be drawn upon. And you, and I've never, I've never learned that about one of my clients and not been able to tie something back to what they're struggling with to something earlier, whether they're trying to figure out like why they keep running into these, you know, uh, inner frustrations or why they have anxiety or why they have so much shame or why they keep like having a miserable like relationship pattern or something. It's always, whether it's like, and it's never, it doesn't have to be just this black and white, like, oh, you had a traumatic, you had something traumatic happen in childhood. And this is why you have an attachment wound. Like, it's not, Mm. it's not that direct either. It's like all these little nuances in a person can, can really like unearth how this map that you've used to like get around and, and, and kind of separate you from, from realizing what you're doing. It's, it's like, it's like what we were just talking about with like the journaling and the conversations, like until you have somebody to like bounce back off of, because mm. they usually end up realizing it's not like they end up realizing anything that they didn't on some level know about themselves, you right. know, yep. it's, but it's still, it's still foreign because you're too close to it. It's you, you know, like you're, you're walking around in this body in this life and it's impossible for your consciousness to process all of these different things at once. So having somebody to walk you through it all and kind of looking at it clearly and like, look it in the face, um, mm. It, it's so clarifying and it's so, and then on the way, of course, we have the conversations about very specific scenarios and we zoom, we zoom in to like what they're like currently dealing with. And, you know, I get to do my thing. I get to just like 
word things a certain way that like kind of creates shifts for them and have those conversations and they'll come back and they'll like realize something because of that conversation or they'll try something new because of those conversations or um or or like yeah and it's just all of that builds on top of each other and creates this really cool experience with them and yeah it's it's like ugh, i've never <laughs> felt so like I'm, I'm writing was what i thought my purpose is and until it took this form with that, like with my love of human nature and words, like it's so cliche. Like it really is like a purpose sort of thing. Like it's like, it's the craziest, craziest experience ever. Um, and I love it. And it's, and it's something I, I would do, you know, if I had friends that I, I kind of did it for unintentionally, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a whole, like, you're going to work with me for three months or six months. And we're going to like, make sure to get, like, it wasn't like that. It was just like, we'd have conversation and then they would come back and be like, thanks, because we had that conversation. Like I did this differently. And it's like, wow. it's like, Oh wait, I can use that. Like on purpose, like people really need this, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. such a, it goes hand in hand with all of this. Like, you know, people, people call like all the formal doctors or the formal therapy kind of like it has a bad rap for, for some of the ways that people can experience it. So the fact that this is actually a need, like we're all just, you know, trying to, feel a little bit more free and get a little bit more clarity and do a little bit better and grow a little bit more. It actually is a real, real thing people need. And like, it's so worth investing in, you know, mm. um, it's, it's not like you can't do it on your own, but are you going to maybe spend years in the same loops without realizing them? Like, are you going to maybe spend like longer than you would have? Yeah. Like, is that worth kind of time is like the most valuable thing. So if you can get back like several months of your time or maybe years, sometimes it's so so valuable yeah or not waste the future as well trying to right trying to figure it out awesome thank you for sharing that i think one one idea that i got when you mentioned it was an idea that like it can be so hard sometimes to give yourself the own the advice that you need to hear but if someone shares their problem with you i've personally found it's much easier to give that person advice if they needed it or if they need help whereas if you have that same problem it is really hard and it was actually a question that was posed on a previous episode that I I recorded a while ago but it was episode I think 60 or 61 with a girl by the name of Taylor Harrington Uh, and she said where is it I had it here on the screen yeah what advice do you need to give yourself today and Mm. it can be a hard that's that's a good one yeah but it can be a hard one to to ask which is why I think it is so important that work that you just mentioned that you do to have someone to bounce off that's not biased that isn't in those problems I think it's really important yeah absolutely and like I even it's not like that's another thing is I get to not be in this formal profession in any sort of way that that makes me have to show up as anything besides human me you know like like I, I it might come with this idea that I don't need that too, but of course I do. I'm just like a few more steps, you know, I'm, I'm just a little bit more fluent in this, you know, inner work guidance sort of thing, but it doesn't mean that I don't need it. Like I, I have my close friends and sometimes there are things about me navigating a situation that I need someone to bounce back off of too. You know, it's, it's, if we were put on this earth to just like do it all alone, like, it, you know, we're social creatures, like we need other people. So mm. it's, it's something we all need. And it's just, it's, it's such a releasing thing. Like it can really free you. It's so, it's so cool. Like it, like even these conversations, like it does something for you, you leave these interactions with people and you just carry all these little bits and pieces with you everywhere. Even, even ones you don't explicitly like point out, 
you know, yep. like it'll kind of, you always just like get another layer from these different things and it kind of changes. It can really change the trajectory of things. Like it's, it shouldn't be discounted. It's so crazy. I love it. I completely agree. You mentioned before <laughs> having the life that you were living and the work that you were doing being separate to this passion and of, of writing and, and doing this help. What precipitated the leap? What made you go sort of all in? So right before I was just working for myself, um, I bopped around a few different roles, working freelance behind the scenes of people on Twitter, like big uh, coaches and marketing people, like health coaches, fitness coaches, um, marketing and sales guys. Like I, I, I was in an operations role um, and kind of being exposed to coaches in that way and, and having my own experiences with them, it was... I mean, obviously you learn so much, right? Like you, I picked up skills that I can use for my own thing now, but also it's so nice to, um, you know, be around people who are doing this thing that you probably never thought that you could do. Um, obviously mine's a different version of it, right? Like they have their strengths. I have my strengths and like, we all have our weaknesses, Sure. but it was going through that and like working behind the scenes of coaches really showed me like, Hey, like you could like, I don't know. It was the first time I actually felt like I could maybe do that, you know? And I was like, oh, and kind of identifying just really boiling down what people need in terms of like a service or a coaching relationship and, and being able to like, obviously like I would witness a journey that somebody was going through with a client. And then I would be like, I would like have my own internal mental responses to it. And, and, and you go through that enough times, you're almost like, damn, I could contribute. And obviously this, this is happening alongside me just being my normal, like write about life lessons, introspective Trina. And it was just very validating um, to kind of be able to picture myself in that kind of dynamic. And because before that, like I, I didn't, you know, I was into it, but it wasn't something I saw being monetizable for me specifically yeah. until, until that. So um most recently I was in a role where I wasn't really talking to people as much. And I, I, you know, I, I, I could have my, you know, role working more operations based stuff. And then I could do my thing separate from that. That wasn't lucrative. And then I could like go get my fix of, cause I'm very like a social person and go have my social life, but it was a lot, you know, like it wasn't, it's still that balance for some reason. And I really worked on like different versions of that balance. For some reason, it was still hard. Like I would still like kind of spread myself too thin or like um, whatever. So I just got to the point where like I needed, I was like, you know what? I need to work with people. Like I need my job to be working with people. I can't just compartmentalize the social, like the social exposure I need so much. Like I want it to be integrated with what I do. Mm. And so um, I left that and I had the idea of, you know, trying to start formulate, like growing my personal brand, but more focused there. And instead of, but I didn't skip to just wanting to go all in on the inner work guide thing. I was going to start focusing on my building my personal brand and alongside that explore sales because behind the scenes, you kind of like look at operations and sales as like the yin and yang of these things. Yeah. And since operations was less human facing, I was like, sales will be more, you know, human facing. But then the first time I got on a call with a client, I, I sold, I booked them. Like I ended up just, you know, having that conversation and being able to deliver value in these ways. And it kind of all took shape. And I, I remember after the first client, I was like, I just sat there for an hour and a half and I was like, wait, I'm doing this. Like, this is 
happening. I don't even have a landing page of I'm the inner work guide. I'm just, you know, Trina, like on Twitter, like writing about life and it resonates and, and this person wants to talk to me and like there's value here. And like, it was almost being shown to me what I had done right. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't just like throw myself out there, kind of feel unsure that I could even do it and let it prove, let, let it prove me wrong. Like the experience. So it wasn't even just me being like, oh, I'm going to go out here and like be a successful coach. It kind of just took shape kind of, all right. That's how I felt. Like, I was just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I really had to light a fire under my ass by quitting that too. Cause I could have, you know, I could have just stayed in the role and tried to build this alongside that. But back in when I was working hospitality, um, I learned a lot about like just spreading yourself too thin. Like I used to be the kind of person who was just a workaholic and like very like just all over the place. And I would try to like work every single night and doubles on weekends and then leave weekday mornings off to like do my thing online. And I would sit there unable to focus or uninspired. Mm. And I would just get beat myself up. Like, why are you not producing? Why are you not creating? Why are you not writing for these phases of time? And like, even when I would have the creative inspired times, like it would be from this like kind of drained, like darker, like lower vibrational air quotes space. And it's, once I went full-time remote in these roles um, last year and kind of alleviated all that energy that I was putting towards my nights and weekends, either socializing or working hospitality, I realized, oh my gosh, like until you're kind of free from like having to put all of that energy towards those things, you don't realize how much it's taking. Right. And so leaving the um, operations role, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm going to really be intentional with not like entering that again, trying to like put my eggs in too many different baskets. And I almost did like a couple of times, like I had a couple of different opportunities I was bumping into at the time. And it was really hard to walk away from those, yeah. but you kind of just have to decide, like, you're going to not cross that boundary with yourself and really just focus on a couple of things. Cause realistically, like if you commit to 10 things, you're probably gonna get none of them done. But if you commit to just less than you want to, you'll probably get them there's more chance you'll get them all done, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Commit, go all in. I love it. Yeah. When was that for you? Was that recently, a few years ago? Um, I went full-time in September last year. Wow. Congrats. That's yeah. really awesome. Well done. Yeah. You mentioned energy and spreading yourself too thin. In my first message to you, I mentioned that I absolutely loved your energy, your vibe, <laughs> things you put out on, on Twitter. It's really, really refreshing. And yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that. Have you always been like that or has there been a dark ish period in your life where, yeah, it was like not the trainer that I'm talking to today. So I mean, not to say that everything's perfect. I'm sure there's, there's maybe periods where, you know, it's a bit more down than it is up, but yeah. Curious yeah, to know. So a big part of like, integrating and harmonizing like who I am inside and who I like show up as in the world was rooted in realizing that even when I was going through really dark times, like I, I hadn't, so my, it's crazy to say publicly, but my ex-stepdad was abusive and a really funky situation with my biological dad, um, like sleeping in the back of restaurants and stuff like that, like crazy experiences. Uh, I, I struggled with like big pharma in college like, you know, being on like antidepressants and hooked on Adderall and all these things. So I went through these really, really dark times. Right. And something I noticed in hindsight, trying to like heal and work through like these things is even when I was going through the darkest points of my life, when I was socializing with people, I couldn't help, but show up as like bubbly Trina. 
And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I'm sure on some level when you're like going through college and trying to be like, cool, like on some level, it's not super authentic, right? Like you're trying to be cool, but everybody kind of has to go through that on some level, but it was never me trying to like pretend that I was, um, like happy when I wasn't really, I mean, I'm sure somewhat, but it wasn't, it wasn't me like consciously doing that. It was kind of just like, I would be facing someone and I would be so excited that like there was a human in front of me and like to be interacting with them and, and like sincerely like love people and show up that way and like, and be bubbly. But then when I realized that it was kind of misleading, I was like, all right, how do I harmonize these two? And it's funny because that's, that's what the writing thing did for me. I think like, is like, I would be going through like pain, like my first breakup after high school or whatever. And I would like be writing about it. And it's like, Whoa. And like, you see, you see your inner voice, like in this really dark place, kind of looking back at you. Meanwhile, your friends are like, what? I've never seen you like this before. And like kind of getting that feedback from life and realizing that like, Oh, like these two versions of me aren't the same. Like I'm in a really low place right now, but my friends, like the minute I start showing a little bit of like you know, negative attitude or whatever that I, I got, I got surprised feedback. Like I remember in high school, um, my first boyfriend or whatever, we went through a breakup and I was so down and so sad. And one of my best friends and I met up, um, actually, oh my gosh, it was on the street. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like, she was picking something up from me and we like met up in this parking lot and like gave her a car. I don't, I don't know if it was something like, I don't know, it was like weed or at the time or like shoes or something, something really silly. And I was in this really like just recently broken up dark time. I got out of the car and I remember handing her like whatever it was. And she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I've never seen you like this. And, and I, that stayed with me. Right. Like it was the most like random casual, like encounter ever. But I just remember leaving that and being like, this isn't the first time I've been in a low place. Like, I don't get why this is so surprising. And then kind of, I mean, that's now I look at it as like high privation. You see in my bio, like it says high privation, high vibrational living is my jam, but it's kind of always been my nature to, you know, face people and have a good attitude about it. Like I'm very much like, I've always, always was the suffer in silence type. Like I never wanted to be like a burden or whatever. Um, but now it's nice because when I show up since like, when I show up and I'm happy, like I sincerely, now that I know how to like, I've gone through all these years of like learning how to take care of myself and get to know myself and all these things, like it's sincere. And when I'm not feeling like my best self, you know, I, I communicate it and like, I go do my thing. And like, I go to my introverted Trina's journaling and, you know, (laughs) going to the gym and taking her walks and like listening to music or whatever self. And so that's been a big part of the journey as well. It's just like harmonizing that. Cause I didn't like the idea of you know, showing up as, as something that I wasn't, I hate, I hated that. Like I hated that idea of like that. It just felt so like fake to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, this has always been my demeanor. <laughs> like I, if you ask anyone who's known me from like early on, I've always been just like bubbly and chatty. <laughs> and I love it. No, it's, it's awesome, but it's, it's good to kn- to, to hear you talk about maybe when you have been, you mentioned low, lower vibrational or just, yeah, having, having a bit more of a, a serious period where things maybe aren't as, as high energy or just like flippant, if I could use that word, but yeah, it's a good word for it. Yeah. Just taking things a little less seriously, even though, you know, as we grow older things and especially in the last few years have gotten super serious right it seems but i really feel like 
especially for me in the past few years, but I, I definitely see it in others, is that people are taking more responsibility for their lives amidst all of this sort of chaos that's going around. The The social veneer of society is, is stripped away sort of more than ever. And mm-hmm. yeah, people are taking responsibility for their own shit in a way that I've, I've never really seen. You know, even you mentioning there, you, you sort of starting what you're doing in, in September. I very interestingly got sacked from a job on this day last year, 25th of May. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I was, I was reading, I actually remember this last night. I was, I was thinking of sharing this email that I sent to my employer on, I was thinking of sharing it on Twitter and maybe just jotting out the, the name of the company because that wouldn't be the best thing to just share publicly. But yeah, the, the very brief story is I was working a, in a marketing agency this time last year, got offered a promotion at the start of May, but they wanted some feedback on the company and, and the work that I was doing. And I tried to give that in person and they wanted to get sort of a dot pointed thing from me in writing before having a conversation. This was the, this was the CEO of the company, small, smallish agency, maybe a dozen people. And he, yeah, wanted this email. I sent it to him on the 24th and I think it was one of the best pieces of writing that I ever had done. I was employed as a copywriter in this agency. Oh. So they literally paid me to write, right? And I, oh. uh, you know, sent it over and the next day got sacked on the spot. Like it was my last day. What um, a roller coaster. Yeah, pretty pretty epic. I wear that as a badge of honor now. And I still <laughs> I still might share it on Twitter later. I'm going to run it by someone who I trust dearly to see like, hey, do you reckon I should put this out there? Just as something that like might help others. But I think it's interesting like that that idea of just taking taking more responsibility, stepping up and yeah, not really not really taking a back seat in your own life and having that agency is is a super important thing. I think I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but anyway, I just wanted to share no, that. Absolutely. I agree. I agree because I feel like the pandemic with like shutting everything down, remember 2020 and we're all just like, whoa, what's happening? It really forced that like people who were so caught up. I mean, like I, it was a macro version of what I experienced and I still experienced a version of it happening, but you know, when life slows down and you don't have all of this social I like the word social the term social veneer that you used um you don't have so much life happening and it all kind of pauses and it all really like forces you to just be with yourself kind of on some level and just be with whatever you have going on inside or at home Mm. like you you have no other choice like it all slows down all the distractions kind of dissolve a lot of veils fall and everyone kind of had to come to terms with like oh whoa you know, like my, in my income at the time, like when 2020 happened was fully hospitality wow. and I'd been putting off, I'd been putting off, like building things that I wanted to build and write as much as I wanted to write. Cause of all this energy, I didn't realize I was putting in. And that really forced me to full stop. Like, Hey, like, um, you know, everybody wishes, everybody used to say back in the day, like, or I don't know if this will sound familiar to you, but do you remember some version of people being like, it wasn't uncommon to be like, oh, I wish we could just freeze time and get our shit together and then like resume life. Yeah. Like I, for me, that's what the pandemic kind of did. Right. Like it kind of paused life. And I really had to like look my stuff in the face and there was no excuses. Like there was no, I've got to go to work. I can be social, whatever. Yeah. And it was like, all right, like do it, like get your things together. Like this is happening. 
sort of thing. So I think a lot of people experience that in some version. Oh, totally. Yeah. You weren't going out. You weren't, yeah, hospitality was essentially shut down. At least it was here for a long time. I think you're obviously in Florida. So by the sounds of it, seemingly a much more freer state than maybe other parts of America. Oh, oh yeah. And I'm so lucky compared to a lot of places, especially, you know, you're in Australia. I have friends who moved here from Canada. Like yeah, right. I am nowhere near, I never, I got nowhere near as like done as y'all. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I mean, even, even that, I mean, having that time, like you said to maybe time pause, but it's really like, do you know yourself? Do you like, or do you enjoy being with yourself, you know, and in doing the things that you do? And, you know, both of us were doing different things at the time. You mentioned you working in hospitality. I was working for a company in, in sort of a marketing role, but a company that I, I couldn't really do the work that I was doing in lockdowns. And it was, it was a tough year, but I mean, I was still employed. I still had money coming in, so I can't complain. But it really forced me to go, okay, what is it that I want to be doing? I ended up getting that job that I mentioned I, I, I got sacked really? from. Lasted, lasted five <laughs> months. But then I've I no started. No way! What a plot twist. Yeah, definitely. But now, but now I've started my own thing, so it's even better. It's like wow. you just keep on showing up. But I, I think it always precipitated by the idea of just like knowing what I wanted to do and following that and being okay with with being on my own. There was certainly a period there in the lockdowns that I wasn't. I was in a relationship that maybe wasn't the best uh, for me yeah. in hindsight, but sort of, I don't, I don't know if it was a bit of a codependency, but like you're in a lockdown and you meet someone new and it's like, oh, well, you know, what are you doing? Well, I'm locked down. So I'm just <laughs> at home, like, come over, let's, <laughs> let's hang out. Like it just, it was pretty natural in that sense, but all, all to say that, yeah, just, just taking the time to, yeah, do those things that, that you find are important and taking that responsibility it can lead to you know what you're doing now with the inner work guide and and what I'm able to do in in my work so it's you really have to be able to stomach that like scary uncertainty for a while to to give things a chance to click I think that's a huge huge thing like you really have to be able to like be telling yourself like I'm gonna be okay I'm gonna figure it out like I'm not sure everything's gonna work out I'm not sure I'm gonna figure it out but I'm gonna believe in that for now because you know I, I I gotta push through this yeah. So anyone who's ever like, yeah, landed in, landed on something that did it for them in a new way that they weren't really giving a chance before had to go through something like that. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to mention or talk about relationships you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, maybe going through a few breakups. And I think, you know, most people in their mid to late <laughs> 20s have had, you know, whether it's in their teens, relationships, short or long, but you know, I think, how old are you, by the way? I'm 27. 27. So yeah, might've had a, a few relationships, but whether it's, you know, romantically or even platonic friendships, what do you look for in a friend? Is it some sort of trait or is it a vibe with a person? Do you know? So obviously, like, like I said, I have a very eclectic mix of friends, but the ones closest to me, um, you know, they, they have that. And I see this in you too, like, like that duality of kind of like taking themselves very seriously on some level, whether it's like in their work or like personal development or whatever, or just, they have really strong character, like some, some, something solid 
with the ability to like be a goofball and like have fun. So like, you know, um, and it, and it's, it's a very, I mean, I think everyone needs that combo, but not everyone's really honest enough with themselves to be able to like have both. Like I, 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 I've had very like serious friends and like very like all over the place, goofy friends, like don't have their shit together and like aren't interested <laughs> in getting together, you know? Like, yeah. so I think that I, and the only really common denominator between friends that I can identify is that I can't, I can't point to a style. Mm. I can't point to a school of thought. Um, I love, I mean, I love people that like, like getting out in nature and care about being healthy, you know, mm-hmm. health is a big thing for me. My mom was always super into health, organic food and like, things being as natural as possible. And I've always loved being outside. Like I've always spent a lot of time by the water and and the sunshine. So those are fun things to share with people, you know, like, um, I I went through a phase where I thought like I wanted, I needed to have like creative friends, but even that, like, I don't, I don't, (laughs) (laughs) it's so interesting. So yeah, I don't know. It's only really common denominator I can think of. Do you have many friends still from high school? Or from sort of the schooling no. period of your life? No, no, no. And I, and nothing ever, like, I never had, one very rare thing about me, I think, is I've never had, like, ended on bad terms with anyone. Like, mm. ever. Like, no, no boyfriend, no employer, no platonic friend. I've never, ever, ever ended on bad terms with somebody. And, um, you know, whether things changed after that, like, you know, has is di- a different story. Like, you, you, we all had our weird social scenarios or whatever but on my end like I've always been very much a closure on good terms from my end like my due diligence always felt like a thing and so in high school and college like I shed so many friendships that were like primary friendships in my life because after college you know I went through a I went through trying to figure out what I wanted to do and a very like lone wolf phase of time and Mm. a lot I did let a lot of friendships dissolve then and you know their birthdays would roll around and I would send them a message like hey like I know like I kind of like we've gotten distance but like I'm sending love and like thank you so much for all those years we spent together sort of thing so now to this day like I keep in I can count on one hand how many people I keep in touch with from like those years high school and college um yeah a couple of them are study abroad homies like I studied abroad in college um, one or two girlfriends from like those years. And beyond that, it's the people that are, that I see the most regularly are all, are for the most part new, newer, not newer, but like, you know, in the last several years. Um, yeah. Lots of, I'm so grateful for my Twitter friends. Yeah. It's such a cool way to meet people, right? Like you and I met, or you found me on Twitter. Like to me, it's like, we all see these like thought bubbles, basically mm. and we're like oh I like that person like thought and then like that's such a cool way to like meet somebody you know yeah because when you're growing up you kind of meet people not this is going to sound like it has a negative connotation but it's convenient like mm. you're in the same class like you're in the same you job, have no you, you have no whatever. choice but to interact with them right right and yeah. then, of course you connect with people for like reasons beyond that but like when you when the when the very first thing that you're like connecting with somebody on is like the way they see the world like that's so cool to me I love it it's such a cool way to meet people I've made such great friends on Twitter it's a great way of putting it and interestingly I don't know when I was thinking this but it was recently say like this is going to sound like I'm a total wanker and I might be I very well could be but I'm going to say it anyway so when I was growing up I always wanted a jeep jeep wrangler right sure I'm sure you know the car um so I ended up getting one a couple of years ago and I've loved it, driven it for the last two years. I'm looking to potentially sell it at the moment because I'm just like, 
I've had my time with it. It was great. Um, don't don't sort of have that desire anymore. But I I sort of thought like if the if the that was the first thing someone saw about me, you know, pumping music in my car, maybe with the roof off, you'd probably think that person's an absolute wanker, like I mentioned, right? <laughs> in some cases, maybe not. But I certainly sometimes when I'm walking down the street and a guy drives past with loud music, he sometimes just I just initially think like what's he doing? But at the same time, it's like that person's just living their life, right? And enjoying their, enjoying their time. But it's interesting that you mentioned the idea of Twitter being an idea where you, you get someone's thoughts on a topic or just life in general as the first thing that you sort of sense about them rather than a material thing like a car or the way someone's dressed, for example, even though that's maybe a little bit different because I feel like there's potentially more personality in how someone puts themselves forward visually. But materialism and that idea of i don't know i don't know the best way to, to like call an it intangible re- representation of somebody yeah even 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 the most platitude accounts you know like you know that they're into being you know a self-actualized or optimized person on some level like it's still yeah. some sort of like intangible representation of them yeah yeah for sure it's so cool to me it is cool it's so cool and i think yeah, the more I, the more I'm sort of going into it, especially on Twitter. Like my Twitter feed start of this year was just fucking soccer and politics, and <laughs> all this shit that I like wasn't in control of. And you know, obviously Twitter, you get people retweeting or you see what someone might have liked, and like the algorithm is just sending you things that I didn't want. And so I unfollowed so many accounts, and now the people that. I'm sort of interacting with or that, that the algorithm is putting forward. It's like people like you that I can go, oh, like that's cool. Or yeah, there was, there was maybe a few things that I, like when I first was scrolling your profile that like I didn't fully resonate with or didn't agree with, which is fine. Like I definitely don't think you have to with everyone and you can still be great friends with someone if you don't agree, like you need See, to. I, I should have, I should have said that when you asked me what I look for in people, because you have to be able to stomach that with I, I really right. very much appreciated that when you when you reached out to me because I think that is something I look for in people um because I'm so eclectic with like the way I think about things and I and you know I have I bop around in these ways like if we if we have to line on everything like our friendship's not gonna make it yeah. <laughs> you know so I really appreciate that and I think you can trust people more when you can disagree with them for sure and have a healthy conversation about it and just still be mates yeah right right I mean we've just come out of I mean, I say come out of, there's so many books, so many fucking things going on, right, with all of this COVID stuff and whatever's moving forward. But did you have any examples of that that maybe ended a friendship, ended a relationship in the past few years? Because I was just talking to someone in the last episode, Boyd Myers, 77, him and his wife, they decided to split up. They, he, like he said, they were one of the early pandemic casualties I think he phrased it and they're still good friends they're still close they're still parenting the young the young daughter together but I think it's really interesting I've had some tough conversations with mates I don't see people as much that I used to that that sort of know my stance and I'm very much open about talking about it now on my podcast but I'm also open to people like hey if you want to go down that path that's totally fine like that's your life but this is also this is my life how did you find so, that? So one of the primary clashes because of all the pandemic and politi- pol- political stuff um, that happened was with, between me and my family. Mm. Um, I 
very, I'm very into the natural holistic stuff. I, you know, I had my experiences with big pharma and like hormonal birth control and like all that stuff, like wrecking my, my sense of self and my mind and all of that. So I'm very into just as natural as possible, whether we're talking like, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I don't demonize it. Like I have friends who I have friends in who are older and like have like Botox and like, they know how I feel about it, but it's not like I I'm like, you know, like whatever. So I'm very tolerant of it, but my parents were very not okay with the fact that I avoided getting the vaccine, um, around the holidays. So, uh, leading up to the holidays, we weren't seeing each other. I think that they were, they, you know, they just drew that boundary with me and it really sucked. And I was through that time. I actually was like going back and forth with myself and I had some Twitter friends I spoke to about it. Just like, I was like try, almost trying to convince myself to get it. Um, like I really wanted to find information that was going to convince me that like I would be comfortable getting it. Cause I wanted to see my family. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't landing there and you know, I'm not trying to like say, I know everything, but I wasn't landing there. It's just where I was. So, uh, Thanksgiving rolls around and you know, um, my, my parents were like, if you want to join us for Thanksgiving dinner, like, or you can't join us for Thanksgiving dinner unless you're, you're vaccinated. And I was like, okay. So then, you know, I'm like moving forward with my life and I'm like, oh, I'm going to join like a friend for Thanksgiving or whatever. Like this sucks. Like, this is really hard. Like it really broke my heart. But like, I also understand where they're coming from. Like, it's not like I, you know, through that process, I also validated their side of the argument. Mine was just simply that I was willing to take that risk because I didn't feel like it was valid enough for me personally. And I just wanted the freedom to do that. So around this time, are you familiar with Zach Hummel, Zach and Ashley Hummel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around this time, Zach and Ashley Hummel happened to be in Florida and Zach and I had already followed each other. And I, I remember we followed each other before me and Ash followed each other in our mutuals. And we would like interact with each other's shit on Twitter. And he's there in Florida and he's having this like beach meetup in um, Florida. And I go and, you know, he has a bunch of people come out for it, and I meet all these great people that I'm friends with. Like I met, um, I'd already been mingling with, I don't know if you know, Banana and it's like Slonkfather on Twitter, but they're my friends too. Yeah. They've stayed with me and stuff like that. And, um, we all met at Zach's beach meetup and Zach and I just clicked like everybody, like the whole day went through. He led us through breath work workouts. We all had brunch at this diner. He, him and Ash loved diners and <laughs> everybody went home and it was just like me, like bopping around there and like vibing with them and talking, connecting. And it comes to the service that like, you know, the vaccine and the COVID stuff comes up. Right. And it comes to the light that I'm like, not joining my family for Thanksgiving. And he's like, Oh, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. Like I'll probably join a friend. He's like, well, if you want to join us, like whatever. And I was like, I've never been to Indiana. And he was like, okay, cool. So literally wow. the second time I ever hung out with the Hummels, I was joining them for Thanksgiving. Wow. They had this beautiful cabin. Um, out. I rented a car and I literally was only there for like less than two days. Cause I, I needed to get back for something. I don't remember what it was, but like I left before everybody woke up the next day. And I, I don't mind that. Like I love little, an excuse to like go adventure and just like spend Thanksgiving over the way. I was like, whatever, let's like, let's make the best of this. Yeah. And it was a fun way to like, you know, redirect that experience. And I remember on thanks or I'm traveling, I'm getting ready to travel. And my mom on Thanksgiving day, my mom calls me and she just starts talking about like dinner. And I'm like, what? And she's like, I'm like, mom, I'm on the way to Indiana. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And like, I think that's when she realized that I was serious. Cause like, we just talked about, I'm very, okay. Mm. Like everything's good. Like I'm going to do my thing, like bubbly, like I'm going to be a good sport about it. Like this sucks, but I'm not going to argue with you. And I'm not going to attack your position. You've drawn a boundary. I'm going to respect it and whatever. I'm going to do my thing. And she was, and I think it really sank in with them that I was serious and 
I, I wasn't going to just go get vaccinated so I could join them for dinner. Like I really meant it. Like I really wanted the right to just not like to leave my body and kind of my immune system. And, and mind you, I'd had it already. Like I right. had the antibodies, like I believed in like the strength of my immune system and I was bopping around pretty freely and air quotes recklessly at the time, um, yeah. socializing, whatever, going to restaurants. And I was really just not worried. Like my health had my back. And, and of course, on some level at the time, like that was stupid, but I guess I was just willing to like, at the time my gut felt like it was going to be okay. And I went with it and I, I don't regret it because after that, um, we kind of met in the middle, right? Like it, it really bummed them out to not spend Thanksgiving with me, which felt good because, you know, I, I, I didn't want to not spend Thanksgiving with them. It's just, I wasn't willing to, yeah. it, it was also really self-validating to know that I could stand on my own, like thing for that. Because leading up to that, I was really like, I was like, I like cried to a friend. I was like, I should just get it. Just so I can like, it's so lame. Like, and I'm not spending time with my family. Um, and I'm really glad that I just stood on what I believed in and, and after that, like, it became a thing of like, you need to get tested every time you see us. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, put some parameters up, like, it's okay. Like, I'll do that for you. You're my family. And, uh, mm. but obviously that phase of time was very, very tense. Like, I remember tweeting about it and people being like, no, like, stay strong. Like, whatever. Like, da, da, da. I'm like, this sucks. Like, are you guys sure I shouldn't just get the test? <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that was probably the hardest one for Could sure. I and I know, and I know I have friends who like live in New York city who are like way more like they see me out here bobbing around and, and I, and we've never, they've, we've always respected each other's ways and decisions and stuff. Right. And then, and on some level, I can tell in conversations, catching up with them that I kind of seemed like crazy, but at the same time, they're kind of used to me bopping around doing my own thing. And I would be respectful. Like, you know, like if somebody wanted to like, when we were still in the thick of it, like they wanted to like social distance or like whatever, like I respected it. Like it was fine. Like if I can see you and you need this to feel more comfortable seeing me, like I'm happy to do that. Or let's only hang out outside. Like I was always willing not to meet people halfway. Yeah. Um, and with my friendships, it was never a thing of like, I'm, I'm cutting you out of my life because you are doing this. Um, there was, there's one friend I have who is a lot more extreme with those things, but we don't live in the same place. So I don't really know how we would have navigated with each other around. And we've talked since then, and like just said, like, I love you, miss you. Hope everything is going well. But the family was definitely like the most divisive yeah. experience with all that. Yeah, it's tough. I had a similar experience with family, but I I really respect your position on it. I think it's integrity, right? It's having your own integrity, knowing what's going to be right for you and being able to sort of hold that position. And I think throughout our lives, we'll probably have our integrity challenged, whether it's with something like a vaccine or whether it's with... And then there could be so many things. If you have an opportunity to make money in a certain way or to do things that maybe question you, that cause you to question your own morals, it's like it's fine to change your view. I think it's a very healthy thing to change your viewpoint on certain things. And like you were, you were looking for information to to make you feel comfortable to do that, but you just didn't. And I think that's really, I think that's really good because as much as I disagree personally with getting the vaccine. If I was just on the opposite, like people talk about being anti-vax or pro-vax, it's really just pro-choice, you know? And we could talk a lot about Big Pharma. I have a lot of disdain for Big Pharma. And, you know, we've been chatting now for 90 minutes, so we maybe maybe shouldn't. We can, we can do that <laughs> another time. But And I've even recently heard really good rationales for why, you know, pro-vaccine rationales. I'm not close to them, but... 
Yeah. Yeah, but I, get into it, I think but. it's just about like holding, being able to hold different bits of information and then finding what's real for you and not necessarily having to have an attachment around like what that does for your identity or anything like that. So anyway, well done. And a an very cool way to uh, to make some new friends, meet the homels. Uh that's oh, it's such a, it's such a cool. it was such a bonding thing, you know, like being there for like a holiday together. And they had a couple other friends there who had not the same situation, but reasons that they weren't with their family for Thanksgiving. And it was so such a such a dope bonding way to experience like a holiday in a tough situation, you know. And yeah. on your on your point about like looking for a reason to be wrong, that's a big way I've grown. Like, you know, like I think we can we can really shoot ourselves in the foot trying to just defend why we're right you can actually really validate why you're right by exploring all different ways you could be wrong. And, you know, worst case scenario, you are wrong. You validate that you're wrong. And then you learn, you just, you just have to get over yourself at that point. <laughs> or, or you don't find a reason you're wrong. And you're like, Oh, wow. Like I'm really over here. Like doing, like, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's true. Oh, I would like to ask you for some advice. Interestingly, here we are <laughs> on a, on a podcast recording, but I have this, this situation right now and there might be some people from this area of my life that listen but I'm pretty sure they know where I'm at and a few of them might be similar but I'm putting a lot of energy into playing soccer at the moment I've played at my my club local club for this is actually my 20th year at the one club and it's not going good this season but I'm putting a lot of energy in going to training like I went to soccer training last night and I'm putting this energy in. I've used to be very involved on the committee in, in previous years, but I stepped away from that this year. And to be honest, like I'm not even planning on playing again next year, but it's this idea that I have to keep showing up and putting energy into something that at the moment is giving me nothing back. But I I know on a on almost like not even a subconscious level, I know that there will be a point where if I continue to put more energy in and create and help others in that same period, because basically we're like, we're not winning games. Training is not enjoyable. All of these mm-hmm. things are just going wrong. And I know that the answer isn't to walk away, but it's very hard to give some energy to something that's giving you nothing back. So I know that's a very specific example. And maybe you could just speak to that as like a more general idea of giving energy to something that you're not giving back. I mean, you could talk, I, I see that there could be a parallel to like a relationship with a, with a person, maybe even with a job where you have a boss that's not yeah. appreciating the work that you're doing. So I don't know if that triggers any thoughts for you, but thought I'd share. I mean, I think the two things I would ask about, number one, you kind of have answered like, so obviously I wouldn't just say make the decision based on whether your team is winning or losing games. Right. Yeah. Um, Very binary it, thing. The, the, week to the week. energetic return on your, the investment, your energy putting into practice, like your experience with your team and with being physically active with practice, you're not feel it's not doing it for you. Are you, are you not like really, you know, connecting with it as much through those? Yeah. Well, I think like the winning and the losing thing definitely affects people's moods, but it's almost like if you win a game, like you only get three points in terms of where you sit on the ladder, on the league table standings. So it doesn't change that much, but the mood, like it boosts everyone's mood so much, but it should be, I think the, the micro things like the training, how you're interacting with people when you see them on a, like we train on a Tuesday and a Thursday night and then play typically on a Saturday, like those smaller things, the interactions, they're the things that I think that should be better 
but I'm at the point now where like I'm the oldest person playing in the team. Not that I feel like mm-hmm. ostracized by that personally because I know that other people aren't enjoying it either. But yeah, it can be harder to relate. Like there's some kids still in high school, like 17, 18 years old. And here I am like trying to figure out if we're all about to die from the government that are trying to kill us and these kids are like doing their year 12 exams and like the reality the reality is just different you're in totally different spaces in life and perspectives and that's not with all of them I would say like if you were obviously the morale is inherently a little bit low if you've been on this like losing streak right but if you were showing up to practice and still connecting with your teammates on like a on a level that felt fulfilling it would be easier to hang in there I would say like Mm. I mean there's probably multiple ways to go about it but like I would ask yourself you know, is there a certain line to draw in the sand that you can have with yourself? Like, I'm going to give it this amount of time. Um, and if it's still really not like having, I'm not finding something to connect with and I'm really going to like use between now and then to really like show up and ask myself and like, try to maybe even like lead these younger ones and see if I can get something out of kind of like that, like being maybe like the example of higher morale. Like I was, I, sometimes I felt like I played that role in, in lower times in the hospitality teams I was part of and things like that. Like, I think, I think that's where you kind of have to give yourself some sort of, some sort of game plan for making the decision. Like you can't just keep um, leaving it open-ended. It's like, you know, that could look like I'm going to give this three months of showing up to practice, really giving it my all in terms of like getting my training in and like trying to like help raise the vibrations or the morale of the team. And if I'm really feeling this way at that three, three month mark, I think I'm going to call it quits, you know, kind of just putting some sort of boundary on it because you can't just keep showing up, hoping something changes, you know, you have to like really decide like, this is where I'm going to draw the line. Great. Great advice. Thank you. Yeah. If I had to come up with something. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it sparks a few ideas that I think I've probably been holding myself back on for whatever reason, but yeah, cool. Well, Thank yeah, you. you know about me more about your situation. That's that's with very limited context from. No, me. no, of course. I mean, everyone's literally hearing this in sort of real time <laughs> that we've just had the conversation. Thank you for allowing me to put you on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. I've got a few more questions, but I've really enjoyed this conversation, Trina, with you know total strangers before this. But it's been cool. Uh, you mentioned in your your Twitter bio that you love rap. Right? <laughs> And I think I found a tweet where there were a few songs mentioned, um, but interestingly, oh, no, I no longer have rap in there. In your in your bar, it used to say art, rap, steak, and wellness is my jam, which I think it still says it in my Instagram. Instagram, bio. that's where I. That's um, where now I saw Twitter it. is more like rooted on the like human nuance, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, wait, wait sorry, what did you ask me about it? No, no, that's right. And yes, yeah, so I did see it on Instagram. I was just going to ask. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I I could go into some of the, the rap that I like as well. Not that I'm asking necessarily for song recommendations, but one thing that I've, I've seen a little bit on Twitter is like lyrics that are sort of said in music can in a way be not necessarily brainwashing or programming, but I've, I've certainly seen that. And it, it's has, it's made me, it's made me think about it. And it's like, yeah, what music do I listen to? Even if it's just like when I work, I more often listen like instrumental stuff, whether it's like piano or just like house music. But I know that rap, and I'm going to sound like a, a serious white guy when I say this, but it like it can be pretty hectic in terms of some of the lyrics and things that are mentioned. But 
for you, what is what is even just music or rap specifically? And are you conscious of that as an idea in terms of like lyrics being like, yeah. Yeah, no, this is a really good question because um, I've obviously seen those takes where it's like, don't listen to rap music because it's bad mental programming. And I see where they're coming from, you know? Like I'm not... I, I listen to, I, I mean, I don't listen to like WAP and like, like twerk, like on the wall, you know, like, I think, I think there's nuance here. So I'm remember my background is like being creative artist, self-expression is so important. And I'm not the type of person who's all love and light. Like, I think like the, the negative emotions and real realist are realistically part of being a human and suppressing them does nothing for you. So I'm very much capable of wrapping my head around the perspective of, you know, this artist was self-expressing and distilled this experience and this emotion, like whether it's like a rap song talking about like being in the hood and like going through that. And like, you know, maybe he'll express some raw thought that he had about this chick and it was, it's super vulgar. And it's, you know, if you just look at that, like, like that, then of course it's, you know, disrespectful to women, of course. But if you kind of look at it as like, this is a really raw distillation of what any man is going to experience emotionally and with his thoughts at some point, some version of that he's going to experience, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so for me, it's like, you know, I, I do agree with some extent limiting exposure to negative influences because you can just passively take on things. Like, I don't think you should discount the influence of things that you're exposed to. I don't think you should just be out there like exposing yourself to a bunch of things that can have you thinking certain ways. But also on the other hand, it's like, if I'm going through like a, a, I'm listening to like a heartbreak song, heartbreak song, right? And I'm like singing along to it and I'm like getting in that zone of like, oh, he broke my heart, whatever. It's not like I automatically tap back into that low vibrational state where I'm like victim mindset, heartbroken. Like I go through that emotion with the song and you vibe with it and you like, you, it resonates on that part of you that's experiences those emotions. And, and then you, kind of center back to reality on a large level and you just get to enjoy that feeling. Mm. And I almost feel like it says something better if you can go through that emotion on that song or rap along to that lyric that maybe isn't like objectively a positive influence and come back to the person who is, you know, content and happy with life and um, respects women or whatever, yeah. like, just to name a specific example. Right. And if it does trigger you that deeply and just throwing on a rap song where women aren't talked about in the most chivalrous, respectful way, if it really does breathe life into that, you, you know, that's something you already had there that you probably need to look at and maybe like not be as receptive to any opportunity to act out of that like darker part of you, you know? So like, that's getting really deep on it, but like, I'm just not super touchy with words. Like I, you haven't heard it much from me, but like I, I curse and like, that's not very like feminine Twitter would not be super supportive <laughs> of that. And, and I, and I love rap because obviously I love words and self-expression. So when I was younger, I actually swore I would never like rap. I yeah, was right. like very much like a loved rock music, um, like sublime brand new red hot chili peppers was my first concert. And yeah. I would always like, I loved like the guitar and whatever like that. And I was always like, rap is stupid. Like I'm never going to like it. <laughs> and uh, my, my first boyfriend, high school boyfriend, like loved rap. And we would just listen to rap music together and talk about the lyrics and like, we would text each other lyrics and stuff like that. And so I just, it was just another way to fall in love with words and the way things were worded to me. Mm. And so I love it. And I don't think that you need to be, I don't think it's beneficial to be hypersensitive to it. 
Yeah, no, I, I love those those ideas and just the way you framed like, yeah, being able to like accept sort of that, that vibe, that frequency in a song and then the song ends and then you can still just be at that sort of whether it's higher frequency or you don't have to read that much into it because, yeah, it can just be a very raw expression. And some of the lyrics in a lot of the songs, like I've been loving the last few years, Kei Trinata. I don't know if you... Mm, I love Kei Trinata. Oh. Yeah, Ketronata's <laughs> like, and I, I feel like it is rap, but it's a bit more like house and like electronic music than, and sort of a bit of a blend. But yeah. some of these, some of these guys are so, and I say guys, girls as well, women are so talented at what they do and expressing that in this art form of rap, of music is incredible. There's, but there, there have been some songs and one of my favourite rock bands, in fact, my favourite rock band folds they have a few songs that have come out recently and there's one specifically and i actually can't remember the exact lyric at the moment even though i would have listened to the song on repeat countless times perfectly in the moment now where i'm sharing it with you i can't remember the lyric but i changed this one lyric because it just has this negative connotation and they repeat it like you know six or eight times in this one period and I just change one word that makes it a positive in my life so I'm not like saying this one thing over and over I don't know if that makes sense but it's just something that I that I've decided to do so no that's good and it takes the like you 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 and you know that's that's self-awareness like you knew it was getting to you and like you were receptive to this like word that was like not doing it for you in a good way so you changed it like that's great yeah I mean it's just it's poetry, right? Like it's yeah. lyrics are poetry. Like it's not fair to look at this artist's like self-expression and be like, that's bad vibes. Like that's such a black and white view of yeah. like, you need to let, sure. let people express themselves. Cause I don't know about you, but the people who are super, super, super touchy about the way things need to be worded and everything. Mm. I'm not just, I'm not, you know, and I'm, I'm obviously not against like positive affirmations and being positive about life. Like I've obviously, it's a huge thing to me, but being super super touchy to things doesn't really show any resilience against them yeah be having to avoid anything which is it's baked into life you're not going to be able to avoid every negative emotion that comes up or every negative experience and if you're that touchy to it it's just a it's just another version of how you handle other things you know so it's like yeah yeah. that's like your creative the fact that you like encountered it that way is like a kind of a creative iteration from you too no, cool. thank you. But I, it's weird. Like I, I sort of always had those thoughts, but never been able to articulate it. And then when I saw that sort of idea, I think you mentioned the better way of putting it, not like brainwashing, but maybe it was like mental programming before mm. I think you said, but the idea that, yeah, okay. If you're, if you're saying it, it's like self-talk. What are you saying to yourself over and over and over again, whether it's a song lyric or whether it's something else. Like when I have when I have a cold shower in the morning, I just jump in, whether it's 30 seconds a minute, whatever I can bear. It's getting pretty cold at the moment here in Melbourne. So it's like 30 seconds. But I just say to myself, I just say a few things out loud and I hope I don't wake the dog or, you know, my brother <laughs> or his or his girlfriend or our housemate. But it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to shout it and, and say it. And it's like what you're telling yourself, I think, can come. And yeah, positive affirmations whatever it might be, I think is really, it's something that I found to be really helpful, especially of late. Absolutely. Yeah. You can really find yourself like not talking to yourself that nicely inside. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. I, I bookmarked a few of my favorite tweets of yours since oh, I've I'm started so following yours. Out to you. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read them all, but 
Okay. I, I put a few down. I mean, maybe I can share them afterwards, but I don't want to keep people <laughs> for another hour. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, one, yeah. Wow. Time flies. It does. But you mentioning there the idea that I guess the idea of if something triggers you, maybe it's something that you need to work on more. That was sort of the idea, not necessarily the words you said exactly, but that was sort of the idea that I got, which brings me to this tweet, which I think sort of aligns, and I'd love you to speak more about this. Um, I actually didn't even keep the date here. I've just like copied and pasted it, but I will tweet it. I'll find it and put it in the show notes for, you know, all the podcast, <laughs> podcast nerds out there. But the tweet goes, when you notice something you don't like about someone, check for that quality in yourself before you critique or judge. Does it confirm you reject that quality in yourself, like lying or avoidance? Does it show you what you stand for or something you need to work on? I'd love for you to potentially expand. I mean, I feel like it summarizes it very well, but if there's anything you'd like to add. Yeah, I, that, was, that was a recent one. Um, it was a remix of, it's a cool feature that Hype Fury has is it'll show you very old tweets you have as inspiration. So I'll sure. like see something I tweeted a long time ago and I'll be like, oh, wow. And I'll like rewrite it better and like put it out as a tweet. Mm. So it's a great, I love that. Um, but it was rooted in this intolerance I have for, you know, hypocriticalness. Like I don't, like I don't, I've, I know I'm sure we all have, but like, it's like, it's somebody, oh, I'm trying to think of an example, like, <laughs> say hmm, like what is, what is something we can feel negative towards other people about I don't I don't know it's just kind of based on this idea that like everyone's a mirror like everyone shows you things back to yourself that you like and you don't like and one of the biggest ways I've grown is kind of realizing what irritates me about other people and then asking myself whether I embody that or I ever act that trait out because it almost scares me the idea of embodying those traits that I, that like repel me in other people, like, you know, being fake or, you know, like scrutinizing something that you do, um, like having a bad attitude or whatever, like all those sorts of things. Like, I really don't like it. And if I, if I am walking around being that way, then like, I have no right to demonize other people for that thing. And it's, and it can be a really good way to like grow, like making sure kind of checking in with yourself, not parent paranoid way, but <laughs> Checking in with yourself that you're living out what you like and don't like in other humans. Um, um, for example, like I, in the past, like the relationships, like I hated that, like I had this relationship pattern I had to heal. One of them was avoidant, avoidance with communication. And through kind of taking that approach to that dislike about people that I started realizing, I became very assertive and, um, I wouldn't have done that if I didn't have this intolerance for people not being able to address elephants in the room or address topics or have uncomfortable conversations. Like, I think it's really important to have, be able to have uncomfortable conversations with people you trust in any kind of relationship, whether it's romantic, platonic or work, just yeah. like we were talking about earlier, like you need to be able to disagree on things to actually have like a real deep, like friendship or whatever, like those that involves having uncomfortable conversations where you aren't fully resonating with each other. Um, and then, you know, comes the whole like being a woman part where I don't want to be that, like, you know, if I'm going to address something, I don't need to be like a bitch about it. Like, I don't need to like bark at you to disagree with you. But I, and you know, that comes with practice. You like figure out how to assert yourself in a way that doesn't repel people. And because you can count on yourself to show up that way, I think it validates you expecting that from other people more. Wow. I love that. 
<laughs> really, really well said. Thank you. I think, yeah, I'm not going to add anything to that because that's <laughs> just really, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> uh, I just I'll, run my mouth so much. You, you asked really good questions. <laughs> oh, thank you. You have really good answers. So <laughs> the yin and the yang of a good podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to sort of bring this conversation to a bit of a close. But yeah, like I've mentioned, I've really enjoyed it. You mentioned before, this is sort of a relatively potentially quick question. You mentioned before your age, but if you didn't know when you were born, how old do you think you'd feel? Or how old do you think oh. you would be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, thousands of years old. <laughs> I've tweeted before ancient in spirit, youthful at heart. And I mm. feel like, you know, I, I feel like I'm not that really old, playful grandma who's like just lived so much life to the point where she has all this like experience and things to say, but she's, you know, she's just doesn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's just like, she's lived so much life and I, and she's over trying to, you know, impose her beliefs or anything, you know, she's, she's kind of experienced enough to where she's just chilling and being goofy and like, you know, I, I think, I think it's really, I think I, I've just experienced so much. Like, I feel like an old soul, but I don't feel like an old soul in the sense that I'm not playful. So I really mm. picture myself as just that like goofy grandma who doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I can see that in you. It's real interesting. But you say <laughs> thousands of years old. Yesterday I was driving somewhere and I saw this woman. I assume she was with her daughter, but it might've just been a young, a young child. She was with a girl and they were walking they were being super goofy just walking down the street like just like taking the piss out of each <laughs> other and it sort of occurred to me in that moment that there's a period in life where you know you're very goofy or a lot of kids have this playful sense of not caring what other people think about them and they'll do whatever they'll dance around they'll sing they'll laugh they'll tell like you know, horrible, hilarious jokes, whatever it might be. And then it sort of changes. And maybe that change comes when it's high school or you start to care what other people think. You want to be cool. You want to have friends. You're trying to find your tribe. But I almost feel like there is then a period where that changes back. And I think for a lot of people that would happen when you have a child and you have that come back into your life, that sense of like unabashed, like – exploration into just being you know carefree and I just saw that in that woman walking with yeah like I said potentially her daughter or maybe it was you know someone she was looking after but walking down the street just like like busy busy street like cars everywhere and this woman was just like being an absolute goofball and it was great to see and it was just like we need more of that we need more of that you know I don't have kids I would love to have kids at some stage but there's periods where I'm definitely not like that, but I think I am naturally. I love the relationship that I have with my younger sister um, that I've had on the podcast three times. Um, but getting to sort of just play with her, she's 14 now, and she's very much someone who is just that free spirit and able to just be herself, which I hope she keeps moving forward because, you know, like I mentioned, maybe high school is that period where you change and, I don't know, stays with you for, for a little while. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, it terrifies me, the idea of becoming like a jaded adult. Like I never want to be that. Yeah, yeah. But a thousand years old, hey? So 
Do you think, <laughs> like, spirit, spiritual-wise, do you think that you will live again, like that you've lived before? They say that, you know, if you, like, do what you came here to do and you, like, pass all these lessons and you stop repeating these cycles, um, that you, you know, you don't have to come back. Mm. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about, like, an afterlife. I don't know if I believe in it or not. I obviously entertain those ideas being into the spiritual stuff, right? But I don't know that I have a hard opinion on it. And I don't know that it bothers me, the idea of coming back in another life. So I don't understand why that's, like, really seen as a negative thing. If you don't pass your lessons, like, you have to come back and have another chance at getting it right like i, I don't i don't know why that's ne- it doesn't resonate as negative to me yeah um no, i like that idea as well I, what sorry i was just gonna say i like that idea but i've never heard of that idea like you're gonna come back and get another yeah, chance yeah i know the super spiritual like astrological esoteric schools of thought believe in that like like okay. you come here for a purpose to for a lesson and if you learn it you don't have to come back and try again i don't get why that's negative oh it's um, great and if i did believe that do i think that i'm coming back I, I think where I'm sitting right now in life, I don't really feel that way. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of patterns and loops that I realized I was going through in life and I finally broke a ton of them. And now I've like found my purpose and it almost feels like the grand finale of things. Um, not the grand finale of things in like, in that I don't have more to do and more to accomplish and like, you know, find a husband, all this stuff, but just like that, like it is, a it is kind of a landing place in terms of like mm. a big, a big main path that I've been trying to find my way on like in life. So yeah, cool. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, it does. I was, I was maybe expecting you to jump into, you know, YOLO just singing a verse from some rap song, but <laughs> anyway. I actually on a Twitter space the other day, I ended up rapping for everyone. <laughs> do, you rap, do you want to rap now? Here. Do you want to rap now? No. <laughs> Uh, I don't think your viewer or your listeners want to hear me curse. I was, I, I think I rapped like Lil Wayne or something, and everybody's like, "Oh!" And then I sang "Waterfalls" by TLC, and it was just like, "What? Did you just switch to that? <laughs> <laughs> Lil Wayne and Waterfalls? That's good, good tune. <laughs> I love it. This has been so fun. This has been so fun. So I think I mentioned it, but part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was because listening to podcasts prior to prior to this was with guys like Tim Ferriss, a little bit of Joe Rogan, um, but interviewing guests that were at the top of their field, whether it's athletes, business people, celebrities, whatever it may be. And a question that I really liked always seemed to have the same answer. And that answer, I thought if you put it to the everyday person, maybe my dad, my neighbor, maybe they would have different advice. Um, and that question is, what advice would you give to, say, your 20-year-old self? And those, these people, you know, maybe in their 50s or 60s or older. So it's, you know, what advice would you like to give to yourself 40 years ago? So I'd like to give you that question, Trina, but I'm going to flip it because you're 27 and 20 wasn't that long ago, albeit maybe you're a 1,000 and 20 in that <laughs> case was, <laughs> you know, a while ago. But in this life, in this age that we are, what advice would you like to give to, say, your 67-year-old self? So if we could jump forward 40 years. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a trippy question. Wow, that's a trippy question. Me, my younger self telling my future self advice about moving forward? 
or advice or like telling them something from the way I'm living life right now? Yeah, just any advice that you right now would like to give to your 67-year-old self? Whether it's a message or a way that you might have hoped you've lived. It can be any anything that's that so sort of pops in. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm if you don't I don't know you, what this, I don't know what this says about me, but I don't I mean I would just I hope you're proud. <laughs> like uh um I yeah, like I, I mean, I'm doing everything I can to make sure that she is satisfied and that she feels she's lived life and that she's taking good care of herself and she's worked through things and, and been healthy and, and tried a bunch of things. And so I hope she's, I hope she's content and that with the work I've done, cause I really, it's my primary driving factor has been growth and like fulfillment and I really put in effort into it. So I hope she's proud. <laughs> Beautiful. I hope yeah. she is too. I'm sure she will be. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> before wow, we go. That's a unique question. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you. So before we go, is there anything you'd like to say that maybe I haven't yeah, brought up with a with a question? Any final words from you? No, no. You 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 covered a lot of different areas. That was so much fun. I, I think you I think you killed it. I'm just so grateful to have been asked on the show. It's such I can't believe it just happened two days ago. <laughs> Yeah, it happened quick. No, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Before we do finally go, if people want to get in touch with you, reach out and work with you in a work guide, where can where can people find you? Um, my website is like this dragged out process, so it's not up right now, but you can find me on Twitter uh, through Trina Nugget. Um, my link tree is there with you know, links to all I do for now. For now, that's what I have. And on, on Instagram, I have um, my like public modeling poetic musings page called The Spiritual Spunk. Mm. And I would love um, anyone listening to this to hop on my free newsletter, which is link in bio on Twitter. Cause I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really getting deep on those long, long form things. And, I, and I'm so excited to share. Beautiful. My YouTube will be up there when I, when I get to it too. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you again. I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. Thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you this morning you. and this afternoon for you. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. Another episode of The Hope Initiative. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. And thank you again to Trina for being such a wonderful guest in such a rapid you know, turnaround time and quick notice. It was a it was a really fun conversation and one that I think I'll treasure for the rest of my days. Uh, guys, as I, as I mentioned, I think you've enjoyed it. So if you'd like to share it with a family member or friend or someone that you have a, a closer relationship with directly or even if it's via social media audience, that would be fantastic. Uh, everything we mentioned was in the show notes. So if you'd like to reach out with Trina and maybe do some of that inner work with her, I would highly recommend doing so. And until next time, keep on creating and all the very best. <laughs>